0: Welcome to the Hands That Feed podcast. On this week's episode,
1: even though we all come from these different walks of life, we all understand it and we have one unified purpose and goal that we're striving towards.
0: And we just want to thank you for joining the Hands That Feed podcast today.
1: I am Nick Bradley. And I'm Callie Renner. We're going to tell y'all just a little bit more about ourselves I am currently a junior at the University of Tennessee at Martin, where I'm studying agricultural education um, in hopes to one day be an FFA advisor, but you know, God likes to change plans, so we'll see how that goes. I grew up on a 3,500-acre row crop farm where me and my family produced corn, cotton, soybeans, and wheat. Cotton was always my favorite crop. So I just always grew up in, around production agriculture and I have a passion for it. And even though I want to go be an ag teacher, I still want to run the family farm one day or at least have some part part in it.
0: Yeah, so I have a production ag background as well, just like Nick does. Mine is quite different from his. I grew up on a much smaller <laughs> operation and we have about 250 acres in Northeast Tennessee. Where we raise primarily beef cattle and tobacco, but uh, you know, we we dabble in a little bit of everything. <laughs> like Nick said, I just have we both just have this passion for agriculture, and a lot of it came from our involvement in FFA. That's how we met each other, and that's kind of what sparked the idea to even start this podcast in the first place. Something else about this podcast is just, we kind of saw a need for agriculture education in not only in our communities, but in the world in general. And, you know, podcasts are kind Mm -hmm. of a hot thing right now. And we thought it would be a really cool (laughs) idea if we were able to reach people and teach people about agriculture through a media like this.
1: I'd always had a interest in podcasts and I always thought it would be fun to make one. And then we got together through FFA and and here we are. So so we're excited to do this first episode with y'all. Today, what we're going to be talking about is misinformation slash miseducation about agriculture in general. This is going to be a pretty lighthearted episode, so nothing too serious just yet. But the first one that I sort of wanted to talk about is that people still believe chocolate milk comes from brown cows. And I don't know why In the world, people still believe that, but, you know, I guess it's just part of it.
0: Yeah, it absolutely baffles me. I took an ag science class, as most people do, when they start out their freshman year of high school. If you know anything about ag ed, you start out in an ag science class. And I remember one girl asking this question in my agri-science class, and I was absolutely baffled (laughs) it just it just shook my world and I guess that's kind of when I first realized that not everybody grew up on a farm (laughs) like not everybody actually knew about farming in general and I mean for her to just say that just really took me off guard (laughs) but like on on the cow thing there's just so many misconceptions that surround oh my word cattle yeah and I remember like some people, I remember one girl growing up, she was my friend and she came over to the farm one day and (laughs) we had a cow there and she had horns and she was, she automatically assumed that since this cow had horns, that it was a bull. And I've heard people say that about things like sheep and just assuming that since it has horns, it's a ram or whatnot. And I mean, it's just, it's just crazy to me.
1: It, it honestly is crazy. And I mean, growing up on a row crop farm, we never had any animals around. The last time we had animals on our farm was when dad was in high school. And so, I mean, to be completely honest, when I was growing up, I mean, I sort of went along with that same thing, even though that I did grow up in production agriculture. And I guess that just sort of goes to show that even people within agriculture can have misconceptions about agriculture because it's such a large industry and we do so many different things. And you can go from a cotton farmer to a strawberry farmer to a chicken egg farmer. <laughs> I don't know what the
0: proper term <laughs> right.
1: that is, but uh, a poultry farmer, I guess. There's just so many different avenues. So i definitely understand that one and I think that one's gonna take a a long time to fix
0: absolutely and I mean like that just goes to show you too I mean like you just said that you grew up on a farm and there's just a lot of things that you don't know about even other facets of agriculture and I could say the same thing and you know I think um a lot of farmers like we're, we're in our own bubble sometimes. Yes. and We just don't branch out. You know, I think about my dad and my grandfather and they're just very traditional. And they're like, this is the Mm -hmm. way that we've always done it. And here's what we do and here's how we do it. And, you know, I feel like that's also a a good thing that we do through this podcast is we're hoping to just not only target people outside of the agriculture industry, but target people inside of the agriculture industry to Mm -hmm. where, you know, farmers can listen and they can learn more about other facets of agriculture. I know my dad, he he loves youtube he doesn't yes. know he doesn't know a lot about technology in general but he loves youtube and he loves to get on youtube and just like watch videos of other people farming and when i say other people I farming think I mean just a dad thing yeah he watches videos of people farming things that he knows he's never going to farm like blueberries or pineapples but just yep. because he's interested in how things are grown and you know i think that it it cool that we can shine a light on some of those things using Mm -hmm. this podcast and you know we can get some agriculturalists involved who you know maybe you don't know how pineapples are grown but maybe you know i don't yeah exactly exactly and we can talk about some of those parts of agriculture that you know us around here in tennessee might be very unfamiliar with
1: right right if there's anything that farmers can learn from it's experiences Mm -hmm. or just really anyone within the agriculture industry, because I know my dad personally is one of the smartest humans that I think I've ever met, because I mean, he, he's not just a farmer, he's a meteorologist, he's an agronomist, Mm -hmm. he's a technician, he's a mechanic, he's all these different things. And he just keeps all of it in his head. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how he does that, but he does. And it's, it's just crazy to see him work and learn from his experiences and so, yeah, I think that's just another reason why we decided to do this podcast is so that we can share our experiences. I think this is going to be a fun time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, while you were just talking, Nick, it made me think of another um, kind of miseducation within the agriculture industry. A lot of people think that farmers are just plain dumb, like they yes. don't know anything and they're farming because they don't know how to do anything else and that they're uneducated, but. I mean, you were just talking about your dad and, you know, I could say the same thing about the people in my family who farm. You know, Mm -hmm. they, my dad is way smarter than I will be when I graduate (laughs) with a degree in agriculture. (laughs) So, you know, I'm in school right now at Tennessee Tech University for agriculture education. And I know that I will not know a fraction of what he knows by the time that I graduate. And And that's just, yeah, absolutely. And that's just because of, the years and years of experience and knowledge that he's grown. And, you know, he's constantly taking classes through UTIA and, you know, building on his knowledge to improve his operation. And a lot of people just think that farmers are all these, these men wearing overalls and straw hats out there Mm -hmm. chewing on a piece of hay standing around in a field, but farming is so much more than that. And especially now as we see Farming operations grow in a technological way and in a research kind of way too. We're developing Mm -hmm. miraculously in agriculture and that kind of development, that's extensive education and people don't realize that.
1: Yes, 100%. That actually reminds me on our farm every year, we do a cotton test plot. And if you don't know what that is, it's where we plant different kinds of cotton seed to see what the yield will be. And every year, it's these people from Tennessee's extension, Auburn's extension, all these different people are coming together so that these farmers can produce as much as we need to for the world and the growing population at that. I mean, the population in itself could be a whole nother podcast episode and how we're gonna Absolutely. deal with that as agriculturists. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy how much these farmers really have to do. And while yes, the average age of a farmer is getting consistently older simply because most most people now are two or three generations removed from the farm, mm-hmm. I mean, that is like the age of a farmer is going to keep growing, I see. But there also has to come a time where this new technology, these new farmers, these new agriculturalists have to step up and take the reins. And, and I just, and it's also amazing to me that farmers, even though they are average wise getting older, they still are able to keep up with all this technology. I mean, y'all, this Mm -hmm. is cutting edge technology that these farmers are dealing with now. I just heard my dad talk about the other day, I called him and we had a whole conversation about how how he's so excited to get this drone on our farm to spray crops with. And I just, I don't know why, but never in a million years would I have imagined my dad wanting to invest that much in just a single piece of technology. But I mean, farming alone in the physical aspect is enough to blow anyone's mind but then also when you look at all the policies and rules that they have to follow and they have to constantly keep those in mind. I mean, y'all, the U S the U S food supply is the safest in the world. And there's a reason for that. It's because our farmers follow those rules. Our agriculturists make sure to follow those rules and we all hold each other to a certain standard. Absolutely, um, And these farmers, are so smart. I don't think anybody can truly grasp just how valuable their experiences are within this industry. Absolutely. Um, Because that's what's taught them everything that they know.
0: Yeah, I mean, because farming is so much more than just having a backyard garden to sustain your family. I mean, these people, and I know that you can say the same thing for your operation, Nick. We've talked about this. These people are working Before the sun rises and after the sun sets, seven days a week. There is no holidays in agriculture. And we both grew up, and we've talked about this before, in similar situations where our parents might not have been at major events in our childhood, at school or whatnot. And it's because they had to be on the farm. So these Mm -hmm. people are working harder than... I mean, I would say, and and I probably have a little bias here, but I would say that farmers work harder than any other people in any other industry. Simply because you are constantly having to learn more, you're constantly having to work, you're constantly have having to change on the fly. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Weather, disease, pests, we got to work around those things and input costs, things like that. Nothing is ever the same every day. Nothing is ever the same every month. Nothing is ever the same year to year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just a constant level of education going on within Mm -hmm. agriculture.
1: I I most definitely agree. I mean, one of the very first things that I remember my dad teaching me about farming is that farming is a gamble, and it's one of the biggest gambles Mm -hmm. you can take because this isn't just a job for these families and for us and for our families. This is a lifestyle. This is how we live our lives, and to take a gamble with the weather and the prices and the economy and all the factors that go in to owning a farm even down to the smallest one to the biggest one are are insane the factors that go into it and it really is just one of the biggest gambles you can take and uh, there's just so many different things that go into this and the fact that like my dad growing up there there are some things that he missed but also growing up I understand why he had to because he knew that he had to provide
0: oh yeah 100 his family
1: and yeah. and I mean I I respect him so much for that and I know it never could have been an easy gin between coming to one of my peewee t-ball games or go into the field and spraying crops I mean I I just I don't think farmers get enough respect sometimes but that's just my own personal opinion
0: yeah 100%
1: I'm just also wanted to say one more thing about how you were talking about how farmers are some of the hardest working people which I 100% agree but that's also not to and I know you didn't mean mean it like this but that's also not to downplay like the the work that other people put into their careers
0: oh absolutely Um, yeah
1: yeah yeah we're just we're saying this from our point of view because we know like doctors teachers everything there are so many noble quote-unquote noble careers and lifestyles and passions that you can choose and so yeah
0: yeah absolutely and I know that that you and I have both talked a lot about um our fathers specifically in agriculture, but I think it's important to talk about the moms too, because I know that both of our mothers play a huge role in our farm. And, you know, a common, a common thing that people misbelieve is that farmers are all men and that women can't be farmers, but we both know that's 100% untrue. And over a third of farmers in the United States are women. We both have mothers that play a huge role in our farming Mm -hmm. operation do you want to talk about kind of your mom's role on your farm yeah
1: so my mom's role she may not always be in the field helping although she does quite often especially come harvest season and we need someone in the (laughs) cotton field mama's the first person we call but mama's big role is the finances on the farm and let me tell y'all if we didn't have somebody to sit there work all that that stuff out every farm in the country would be down the toilet mm-hmm. down the toilet in a heartbeat because the the way farm finances work is just so different and it's such a specific way of doing things and y'all my mama that's all she does all day long she stays home and she works out the finances and our farm could not keep going like it is thank the lord if it weren't for my mama so and my Nana before her. So it's just, women do play such a huge role in agriculture and not many people stop to think about that.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, both, I come from two lines of family farms. And so both of my grandmothers were both very heavily involved in the farm, especially my grandma, my dad's mom she was she was a full-time farmer she farmed with her dad full-time and I think that women are a lot of times the superheroes of agriculture because not only are they the full-time farmers but they're also the full-time cooks and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah in my grandma's day she was a seamstress and a cook and a <laughs> and cleaning mm-hmm. and and everything so And then I stop and think about my mom as well and how she is, she's always right out there in the field too. And Mm -hmm. like you said, especially around harvest season, it's all hands on deck and my mom is out there working with the best of them. So females play a huge role in agriculture.
1: Yes, they do. Yeah.
0: And I, I know we both talked about our background in FFA and right now is right at 50 50 with males and females
1: i would almost venture to say that there's more females in ffa than there are males
0: yeah i think we're almost getting there i mean we've seen ffa come a really really long way since the beginning when females weren't even allowed in so we're starting to see a real rise in females in just leadership and agriculture in general Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely
1: Yeah, it's, and I also think it's so important that we realize agriculture is not defined to one demographic of people.
0: Mm -hmm. Like we
1: were talking about earlier, everybody thinks it's the old man in the overalls with the straw cap. It's, we're not that anymore. Yes, they are still out there, and that's great, and that's wonderful, but we are so much more than that old farmer in his overalls with that straw cap leaning up against his tractor.
0: Mm -hmm. and.
1: I think FFA is anyone who's been involved with FFA has seen the impact that we're not all the same. We're all sorts of different kinds of people. And I love that. And I think that's one special thing about agriculture is that the industry, we all have an understanding of each other, even though we all come from these different walks of life, we all understand it. And we have one unified purpose and goal that we're striving towards, which is to feed people, make people's lives better, enrich their lives.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned kind of like the diversity of agriculture in general, because I think it's really important to mention that a lot of people think that farming is just production agriculture, that agriculture is just being on the farm, being on the field, but agriculture incorporates such a large area of stuff. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> so, I mean, it can be anything from education to policy and communications and to a loan officer for the farm credit a soil conservation service agent all of these people are absolutely necessary to how agriculture functions these days even the consumer and I know every single person listening to this podcast is involved in production (laughs) agriculture in some way, shape, or form because they have more than likely eaten today. They're more than likely wearing clothes and you know, they're living in some kind of shelter. So we are all so involved in production agriculture and a lot of people just think that food just comes from the grocery stores and it's magically there. But you know, we know as agriculturalists that there's so much that goes into that food being in the grocery store and every single person from start to eating it is involved in that production agriculture
1: yeah and one thing about the food and grocery stores is when people look at a GMO product or an antibiotic free product
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: or an organic product and choose it yeah 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 and choose it over the product that they've had for forever and that they've enjoyed <laughs> for forever. And, and I'm not trying to say that there's anything wrong with, with buying those products. If that's what you feel is best, then, then go off for it. But, you know, the misconception about GMOs is one that cannot be ignored anymore. They had this Oddly specific dis- discussion with a professor at the Nashville airport w- while we were waiting on a bus to take us to the actual terminal. She came up and asked us what we were doing. Saw the FFA emblem on our shirts, mine and my state officer teammates' Harrison shirts, and it was just crazy because then she started talking about GMOs and agriculture and all this different stuff. And she was, she said that GMOs had a direct correlation with the increase in people diagnosed with ADHD and ADD she said there's no way that there that that can just be a coincidence and I remember thinking I don't know if this lady has all of the information (laughs) I mean I know she's she she's a professor and and I respected her and we had a perfectly fine conversation and we just talked about what each other believed and I personally believe that that correlation has to do with the fact that the resources, since the resources for those people diagnosed with ADHD or ADD, have immensely grown since the time that GMOs came out about 40, 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, that's what makes sense in my head. And I haven't seen the science yet to to say that GMOs cause ADHD or ADD, and I don't think there is any science that proves that. I
0: think it's just a conversation that we as agriculturalists constantly have to have. I mean, like you said, biotechnology has been around since the 80s. It's been heavily researched, pouring millions upon billions of funds into researching these to make sure that these are safe, yet over 50% of our population still believes that genetically engineered genetically modified foods are bad for our health mm. when in reality there are only 11 genetically modified <laughs> organisms out on the market so people who are buying non-gmo orange juice orange juice isn't even genetically mo- like oranges aren't even genetically genetically modified right. so that's 100 a marketing scam and people just don't realize oh, yeah, they, yeah they don't
1: realize it and it's not their It's not their fault that they don't realize it. Because as much as I love the agriculture industry, we are awful about telling our own stories. 100%. Awful. (laughs) Like so bad at getting our stories out there. And one thing that I've always struggled with is how am I going to sit back as someone who wants to continue their production farm? How am I going to sit back and let this keep happening? People are telling our stories for us and they're not right. They're not right, y'all. We yeah, need absolutely. to stand up and say our stories, our experiences, because that's how people learn. And I think that's another reason why we wanted to do this podcast, because it's it's just about telling people our experiences and and showing them that agriculture is not always what it seems.
0: Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. And you're 100% right, Nick. I think about my dad and and how I've wanted to do some agritourism stuff on our farm for a long time now. But he, <laughs> yeah, he just talks about it and he's like, I don't want to deal with people. I don't want to deal with the public. And I think that a lot of people in production agriculture have that mindset that I don't want to deal with people, don't want to deal with the public. So they don't want to tell their story. And that's why I think it's so important to have people like Tennessee Farm Bureau and American Farm Bureau yes. Federation, who it's their job to advocate for agriculturalists, to advocate for those people who are back home on the farm that don't want to deal with people. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like you said, and us just starting this podcast with that kind of vision in mind to advocate for those people who, mm-hmm. um, you know, of course they care about sharing their story, but. Oh, 100%. They care more about their operation than than sharing their story. So I think it's really important to have people advocating. And you know, I heard a quote by Zippy Duval, who's the current president of American Farm Bureau. He said, "If we're not at the table, we're on the table," and that's 100% true. Whether it be in our legislature or just in our everyday lives. If we're not there to stick up for ourselves in the agriculture industry, then people are going to be constantly coming again against us whether it's anti-GMO organizations, you know, animal rights groups. We constantly have to be standing up for ourselves and being that voice for the agriculture industry.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, organizations like Farm Bureau or Extinction, which is I've heard it said several times that Extension is Tennessee's best kept secret.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and they don't need to be. They they need to be known. Extension is there to educate us. Extension is there to help farmers. I can't tell you the amount of programs even I've been through with Extension, um, mm-hmm. whether that's chemical safety programs. And there's just so many amazing people working to support agriculture and They're doing all they can and they're doing the best job that they can. And it's still not enough because we have so many other people screaming and yelling against agriculture that we aren't raising our voices loud enough.
0: 100%. Yeah. And so that's one of the biggest reasons why Nick and I are just so passionate about this podcast and just moving forward into the future. We just have a lot of really cool ideas to talk about on this podcast. And we hope that you guys stay tuned for some of our future episodes. We're wanting to cover some major either misconceptions in agriculture or just some major issues facing the agriculture industry, or like we mentioned earlier, just talking about different things that you might not know in agriculture, different facets of agriculture that maybe you unfamiliar with. So we really just want to cover those issues and just try to educate um, not only the people outside of production agriculture, but we want to make this interesting for the people inside of it as well. Mm-hmm. So we just want to talk a lot about things like inflation and climate change and agricultural labor and just these major hot topics in the agriculture industry right now, as well as touching on some unknown parts of agriculture.
1: Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Some, some other issues that we may be covering is even like soil health and erosion. And I know Kelly had mentioned climate change, but just overall the environment, what Mm -hmm. impact does agriculture have on the environment? How, how can we fix some things going forward? Things like that, rural healthcare, rural broadband. I mean, Mm -hmm. so many different um, topics that affect agriculture and not only agriculture, but everybody Because agriculture stretches and touches everybody in their daily life.
0: 100%. Like we mentioned earlier, we really hope that you guys enjoy this podcast and you stay tuned.
1: I am Nick Bradley.
0: And I'm Callie Renner. And we just want to thank you for joining the Hands That Feed podcast.